Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. And um, I'm believing that the Word is very direct and lovingly kind to us in regards to this importance of Christians behaving like Christians. And there's a reason for it, because we then have the opportunity to be able to promote and be able to shine and represent Christ to others. And so I wonder if we can turn in our Bibles here today to Matthew chapter 22, here this morning. Matthew 22. And uh, some messages that we'll preach are very much preaching into a theme or a topic. There might be a more of a teaching angle at times. Uh, some messages which have had actually more recently uh, have a prophetic kind of edge to them. Uh, I remember preaching a few weeks ago on this idea that I believe that rain is coming to our, to our church. And there's this, like, like Elijah called out, there's his, here's the rain coming. I know last week's message around the redemptive song. We're seeing that in our church right now. It's really, really exciting. Some messages are more positional. It postures us in a certain kind of way. Pastor Andrew shared a couple of weeks ago on this idea of surrender and surrendering our life to him. And so some messages have different sort of thoughts. This one's very much, a, it's a message. It's a, hopefully a fatherly, it's a pastoral one in the sense of let's be the church and what that looks like here in 2022. So Matthew 20, 20, sorry, Matthew 22, um, Jesus um, he's having these conversations. He's actually preaching at the start about what it means, what the kingdom of God looks like, the kingdom of heaven looks like. And then flowing from there, he has these two conversations with two groups of people. And these two groups of people were religious leaders of the time. And these religious leaders didn't necessarily love Jesus and what he was doing. He was actually preaching a bit of an upside-down kingdom to what they had been promoting and, and, and really been challenging the, the laws and the thoughts of the time. And these two groups of people were, one was the Sadducees and the second were the Pharisees. The Sadducees were, were differentiated. They were a bit different from the, from, the, from the Pharisees in the sense that they did not believe in bodily resurrection. And so Jesus was causing some, some problems for the time when he went and raised... Jairus' daughter from the dead, when he went and raised Lazarus from the dead, when he went around and started promoting himself as, I am the resurrection. <laughs> and so the Sadducees had some problems with him during the time. And what Jesus does in a lovingly but also brutal way, gives a bit of an uppercut to the argument of the Sadducees of the time and knocked them out. And then along comes from round two, the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, in all their wonder and all their splendor and all their bony finger pointing, which by the way, church, let's not be those people. Let's remove the judgment. Let's remove the bony fingers from our church. And we find ourselves in a place where Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees in a way where they're trying to stump him. They're trying to find a place where they can almost have an argument against him that he can't answer. You see, at the time, there was 613 Mosaic laws that the people lived by, that people followed during the time. And the Pharisees come along to Jesus and say, hey, we know, how to get, we know how to get him right now. We're going to ask him a question. What is the single most important law out of all of them? And Jesus, being Jesus, has a way to answer. And I love it, he answers with Scripture. 
He answers actually quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6 during the time. He answers, and this is the importance for us to know the word so that we can answer with the word as well. And what Jesus does, he answers the word, answers his question in chapter 22, verses 37 to 39, and says, You must love the Lord your God with all, everyone say all, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Church, this is what we're about. This is the greatest commandment we know. We are the call to be able to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Not just on Sunday mornings, but on Mondays as well, and on Tuesdays as well. Not just when times are good, but all the time. In every single season, we're called to be able to, to, to love the Lord your God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. But then Jesus goes to the next level here. And even though the Pharisees, what's the single most important? <laughs> Jesus goes a double or nothing kind of approach here. He goes, well, I've given you dinner. I'm going to give you dessert as well. I'm going to give you something that I can actually not separate the two together here when he says these words. So this is the first and greatest commandment. But then he goes, a second is equally important. And says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. I went a bit nerdy for a little bit here yesterday when I was looking into these words here. I looked at what this word love in the original Greek meant, and it's the word agape, which means perfect love, unconditional love, love without boundaries. This word then neighbor in the original Greek, it's the word called alelone. And then lay alone is more commonly translated into most of our other texts that we now know as is one another. And so another way of being able to phrase this scripture is actually love one another unconditionally as you love yourself. Now, we often hear this phrase being thrown around, love God, love others, right? Love God, love people. I actually really like the fact that we actually need to include this idea of love others like you love yourself, who you knows some people in your world that love themselves a little bit too much? <laughs> and you think they'd have no problems with this because they'd be love other people really, really well. But equally, actually, some people actually find themselves very difficult to love one another, love themselves. And so Jesus actually puts these, these, these thoughts out here. And my, my hope today, as we speak into a culture of who we want to be in terms of who we call to be, I want to speak specifically into this second thought here today, the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. Everyone say, I need to do number two. <laughs> you just said that in church. <laughs> we need to do number two. We need to do number two. You know, every parent's probably heard this at the wrong time. <laughs> I remember we went on a hike one time. And we're about as far away from the toilets as possible. And Ivy goes, I need to do number two. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I had to get every single bit of grass and leaf foliage and all that kind of stuff to make sure it was all good. Um, but we need, need to do number two. We're called to love one another as we love ourselves. You know, actually, I, a, a more appropriate, I guess, sort of title for tonight or today is actually just called One Another one another. I mentioned beforehand that I'm beginning and I'm hearing the sounds of rain falling upon our church. I see the windows of heaven open up upon us. I see God's spirit 
being poured out generously in measures that perhaps we haven't seen in a while. I believe God is drawing his people, that's you guys, you and I, towards himself with an accelerated uh, measure. I believe that our church is in days of hunger and thirsting for the kingdom. We're hearing testimonies of people's lives being impacted by the goodness of God. I'm feeling the tangible presence of God as I come into this place, as I hear his stories, as I move into different areas of church life, the tangible presence of God is moving. You know, as about 40 of us, we're here on Monday night and we're praying and we're worshipping and we're sharing communion together, I felt God call upon me and I actually gave an opportunity for the guys there. I felt these words, damn, we're in a season of declaration. We're in a season of declaration. We need to understand the power of our voice. We need to start declaring scripture and declaring his word and declaring things that we want to be able to see take place in our lives. And yes, we'll always partner with God, but he's also a God who responds to faith. He's a rewarder of that, the word says. And I believe that it was a, it was a declaration moment. I asked the guys there on the night, I said, hey, I want you to consider what is God calling? Maybe it's for your family. Maybe it's for your life. Maybe it's for the church. What is God calling you to declare? And as I had a moment to be able to consider for myself, I went and sat down, I prayed, and I said, God, what is it? I felt these words, one another, or one anotherness. I'm not even too sure that's even a word. <laughs> this one anotherness actually come into my heart, which is where these words come from here today. So I want to declare it here. We are a church of one another. We're a church of one anotherness. We're a church of this, um, um, how do you say it again? In the Greek, we get the word, um, alelone. We're, we're, we're an alelone church that loves one another unconditionally. Why don't you quickly have a chance, why don't you look to the person to the left of you right now? Everyone's like, left, this way, this way, yeah. Everyone looks to the right. Why don't you crank your neck right now, turn around, turn around to the person next to you, behind you. All right. Church, God is fashioning us together. Colossians chapter 2, verses 2, it says that he's, he knits us together. He says that we are being brought together by the bonds of love. We're being called together. As I look around right now, we are people from all different parts of life. There's some young. Everyone young over there? There's some days that are not so young. It's dawned on me more recently that I'm 40 next year. Holy smokes. Here we go. All right. Who wants to be 40 again? <laughs> some of you guys are here. I'll be 40 again. Yeah, absolutely. Some young, some old. We've got males. We've got females. People from all different walks of life, different cultures. We've got different educational backgrounds. Some of you raised in different postcodes. Who's been 2560 or 2567 for their whole life? A few of you guys. There you go. All right. Some of you guys have been international. Some of you guys have been local. Some of you guys were raised with mums and dads. Some of you guys are raised with just mums or just dads. Some of you guys have been uh, shaped in ways through the experiences of life that are very unique to you that no one else will ever know about. But we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all the body of Christ. 
and our commonality, the thing that draws us together are these two commandments, that we can love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and we can also love one another just as we love ourselves. And I believe God is, is calling us and fashioning us together so that we can indeed be his great light to those around us. You know, John 13 actually talks about this idea of being the great light where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he actually says these words, hey, the world will know that you are my disciples. How? By the way that you love one another. And we are called to be able to be lovers of our, of our neighbours in this unconditional way. I was thinking this week, what is one of the most, what, what, what's perhaps one of the greatest threats to Christianity now? And some of us might go straight away to thinking along the lines of, well, it might be Islam, or it might be Hinduism, or it might be another t- particular type of religion. I don't think that's necessarily the case. When I start, not even necessarily atheism, I actually think one of the greatest challenges, one of the greatest threats to Christianity today is a sense of Christians being lukewarm and not being reminded of these two commandments, to love with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and to love our neighbours in that unconditional kind of way. And I want to stir up a bit of heat here because here's the reality. Our world is watching. The world has its little thermometer out to be able to see that the heat when people come into this room here, they should feel something different. When they walk into our cafe, they should feel something different. You know, this week, I actually went and got a $2 Big Mac. <laughs> How good's the uh, November specials at, Big, at Macca's, by the way? Man, they get me every year. Like, oh, man, what are you doing to me? I went and got myself a $2 Big Mac. I thought, I'm making money here. How good's this? But I went and got a $2 Big Mac, and I felt in my heart, pay for the person behind you. And I thought, oh, it's defeating the purpose, God. I've just got myself a $2 Big Mac. <laughs> but I had myself, a, I couldn't, you know, my next thought was, please don't let it be a family with like 16 kids. And I thought, they're going to cost me too much money. Praise God, it was like a, a mum and a kid. And um, it cost me 16 bucks. Anyway, the, my Big Mac took a while to get cooked. And so, you know, they ask you sometimes to be able to go towards the next window. You wait there. Um, I did that. And in the meantime, the lady obviously found out that her bill was paid and she went to collect her stuff and then she had a chance to be a pull-up next to me. She wound down her window and she just said, thank you. And she just then said, why would you do that? And I had a chance to be quick in the very, like literally the five seconds that you had in that moment there, I had a moment where I had a chance to say, I've been blessed and I just wanted to bless you today. And that was, in just a small, tiny way, an opportunity just to be able to say, I love you. Now, I don't even know who she is. I don't know what her background was. I don't know what her story was. I don't know whether she was having the best day ever or the worst day ever. But I know that I had a chance to be able to respond to a voice of God and be able to be a blessing to someone else. I had a chance to love my neighbor as I love myself in that regard. You know, as I, um, as I considered the, the Scriptures and I started diving into this idea of the one another, I discovered that there are actually many one another scriptures in the New Testament. There's actually 100 of them. And I want to share with 100 scriptures with you here this morning. <laughs> but I've made it easy for you. Well, actually, I've made it easy. Everyone say, thank you, Harmony. 
Harmony is one of the most gracious, beautiful legends in our church. And I gave her a call on Friday and said, hey, Harms, can you help me out? Can you help a brother out? She said, no worries, bro, in her Kiwi accent. And uh, she was able to actually put together 10 slides that basically are going to have an example of each of the one another verses for us. And I want us to talk about how can we be how can we actually love one another? How can we be the example of what Jesus actually is saying to us here this morning? And we're going to read out a whole bunch of different verses. And as we go, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit here this morning, is there something that you're wanting me to go to work on? And also, what are some areas that I know that, yeah, tick, I'm doing pretty well in that area. But have our hearts open to be, to be spoken to by the Lord. So here we go. Are we ready? Then we're going to have some stuff, oh yeah, stuff on the screens. Oh, we've got one of our screens. Um, in Jesus' name, be resurrected. The Sadducees won't be happy with that. <laughs> All right, here we go. So I said beforehand that there's um, what, the words one another in the, New, in the New Testament has been used 100 different times. And 67 times of the 100, it actually is spoken in reference to believers treating other believers well. This is where I was talking beforehand about the idea of making sure that Christians behaving like Christians here today. And that's one here. And so, as I looked and categorized these different scriptures, there's about seven or eight different areas where the one another is coming to play. And the most predominant, the most uh, heavily weighted is always in this idea of love one another. Over one third of the scriptures in this regards. What have you, oh, you got that, cool. And so um, we say love one another, or then through love, serve one another. Tolerate one another in love. Ali had to tolerate me a couple of times this week in love. She's smiling because she knows it's true. <laughs> it says, be devoted to one another in love. We go a bit further. Okay, but next one, unity. Okay, so unity is, again, described one-third of the time. So love is one-third, then unity is one-third of the time as well. And it talks about this idea of brothers and sisters being unified together. I love Psalm 133 when it says, it is pleasant or is beautiful when brothers dwell in unity together. It talks about the fact that there is like fresh oil that flows upon it, like, like, a, like, a, like a fresh dew that is that's found from Mount Zion in that particular moment. And more importantly, then it says, that is where the Lord blesses. It's important that we find ourselves unified, church. We find ourselves in a place that, uh, uh, the word also says, a house divided cannot stands. We need to find ourselves unified. So it says, be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Oh, dear Lord, if there is something that's more repulsive in the church, I don't know what it is, when Christians find themselves grumbling. We're going to be careful what comes out of our mouths. Watch what happens with the Israelites. They were known when they left Egypt as being a people who grumbled. And a, a, a trip that took them, what should have taken them two weeks to take, it took them 40 years. Grumbling gets you stuck. Ooh. Don't crumble among, among, among one another. Next one, it says, be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Now, here's this word, accept. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. <laughs> there are many things in this world I don't agree with. In fact, we all short, or, or, or we all short not to be able to agree with as well. And it says, bear and forgive one another. 
We go next one now. Look at the service. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. Does anyone want to have the feet ministry of the church by any chance? No takers? Okay, that's all right. No. All right, let's look at another one. Humility. It says here in 1 Peter, clothe yourself, which that means we've got to put it on. We've got to find ourselves actually dressing ourselves in this. Clothe yourselves in humility towards one another. Regard one another more important than yourselves. Don't bite. I mean, this person's obviously needs some, some, some Sonoma um, bakery stuff at the end of this. Don't bite, devour, or consume one another. Okay, next one now. Let's look at physical. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Husbands and wives, this one's for the husbands out there, boys. Husbands and wives, don't deprive one another from physical intimacy. All the men said, amen to that. Come on, come on, come on. All right, support. Support. Be subject to one another. Share each other's burdens. Okay, next one, truth. I love this scripture from James 5. Now, this is one of the reasons why I believe small groups are so important. I want to declare that we are not just a Sunday gathering church. Small groups is also who we are. And I want to remind us of this fact here this morning. We are called to have those different sides. Jesus was forever going from place to place, meeting with the brothers in different size contexts. He had the larger gatherings, then he had the smaller gatherings. And it's so important that, that this words here that from James 5, it says, confess your sins to one another. Then the back end of that, actually, then, so you may be healed. Notice he doesn't necessarily say, go and confess your sins to a priest or just to Dan or Ali. It says, go and confess to one another. Now, the reality is that for most of you guys, you're not going to go from this moment into a busy cafe and start confessing your sins. But, you know, when you're leaving small group and walking down the driveway, just about to get into your car next, and your friend's next to you says, hey, there's an area of my life I'd love to be able to just maybe chat about, I'm struggling with, I feel a bit of a weight with. Do you think you could, do you think we could pray together? Do you think we could maybe have some accountabilities and some, some brotherhood or some sisterhood in that area? This is, this is the importance of, of, of that moment there. So confess your sins to one another. Um, speak truth to one another. Don't lie to one another. What about comfort? Comfort one another concerning the resurrection. What's that? Remind one another of the hope and the glory of heaven. Encourage one another. Encourage and build one another up. Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. One or two more. Pray. Pray for each other. Never underestimate the power of prayer. I'm saying to our team, it's actually been a culture in our, in our church for a long time. When we say we are praying for you, we mean we are praying for you. <laughs> you know that throw along, throw away line sometimes, I'm praying for you. You're like, whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to encourage, when we say things like we are praying for you, let's actually be praying for one another. There, there it goes. So pray for one another. Last one here is hospitable. Be hospitable to one another. Be hospitable to one another. Now, there's close to 100 different references in regards to the different one another's that we are called to be and do. And there are many different areas there, but I believe that God is calling us, He's equipping us 
as we move into this season, as we, as we grow to continually think small in regards to these moments here. And I want to be able to close here today. Matt, you want to come up? We're going to go to a sort of relatively short service here today because I actually want to practice this. I want you guys to go out into your small groups today. I want you to be able to go out into the cafe today and practice this a little bit. But I want to close with a scripture that I have just fallen in love with from Romans chapter 12. And it speaks to how we can indeed be the church. And if you're comfortable here, why don't you close your eyes? You can posture yourself in a way where you can listen into these words. And you can ask the Holy Spirit to indeed help us in this moment. Some, sorry, Romans 12 says, Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil and hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times, but pray all the harder. Help needy Christians and be inventive in hospitality. It says, bless your enemies. No cursing underneath your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends, I'll have this, make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go and buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.